Welcome to Project Healing, a podcast about growth, authenticity, and difficult conversations. Here, you'll find a mix of real-life experiences, inspiring humans, and some spiritual insight. I'm your host, Jenna Krasinski, and I believe that we truly have to feel our pain in order to heal it. Community is a huge part of the process of healing, and I invite you to come along and dance through the ups and downs of life. This is Project Healing. Trigger warning. In this episode, we discuss the topic of suicide. If you or someone you know is struggling, help is available. Call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255 or live chat at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. You are not alone. Welcome back to Project Healing. I'm your host, Jenna Korzynski, and today I am joined by Marcel Rostin. Marcel is a father of three, a motivational speaker, and a suicide survivor. Marcel is currently engaged in a really amazing mission, and we are going to talk about that. But first, I'm going to allow Marcel to kind of introduce himself and tell a little bit of his backstory so that we can understand what brought him to what he's doing today. So hi, Marcel. Thanks for coming on Project Healing. Hey, thanks for having me. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. So yeah, my name is Marcel Rostin. I'm 45. I'm a father of three, and I'm a survivor of suicide. Um, I'm a journeyman electrician. I've been in the trade for 20-some-odd forevers. And um, I'm healing from the loss of my daughter. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm a regular guy who um, works hard, loves his kids, and um, lost one of his baby birds along the way, you know? Mm. Yes, absolutely. That's that's Uh, what I do. So you um, lost your daughter, Chloe, correct? Yes. Okay. And how how old was Chloe? She was 17. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you mind um, diving into that a bit, what that was um, like for you and just sharing that experience a little bit, whatever you feel comfortable sharing with our listeners? Oh, yeah, not at all. I'm totally okay with talking about her life and her death and um everything surrounding that um she was um born July 3rd 1996 uh along with her twin sister and um coming from a not myself coming from a dysfunctional family I had to learn how to be a dad and so um her sister and Chloe grew up in, you know, a middle-class kind of broken home, and um, there was some parental alienation and some separation issues there, and um, so uh, I had custody of my daughters from the age of about four years old to uh, 13 and um, it was just me and then uh, I got divorced uh, their their mom was doing some other sh- her own thing and um, 
she's a great mom, you know. Um, and uh, in the divorce, I lost custody of my daughters. And three years later, due to depression and um, a medical misdiagnosis, my daughter on March 26th. 2014 um, tragically ended her life in her mom's garage. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, but she was a beautiful, bubbly, fun, caring, very empathetic young woman who um, grew up in a home that. Um, you know, had step parents on both sides, and she was still a good person. You know, she suffered from depression and got into um, kind of a bad relationship, and um, that had a lot of to do uh, with her passing as well. The internet and uh. social media and bullying and so on and so forth. So. You know, you bring up the, the internet and social media and bullying. And I, I work with um, teens. I'm a dance instructor as well. And mm -hmm. it is something I remember, you know, being a teenager myself and just dealing with that bullying and those strong personalities in person, right? Like we had to mm -hmm. go through that in school. Everybody oh, yeah. goes through it at some point, whether you're on the receiving end or uh, delivering. Um, right. But I think for our teens now, it's so much more intense and projected into their lives because they all have access to social media and cell phones. And in a way, like for us, you know, we could go home at the end of the school day and escape our, our bullies if we are the ones being bullied. Mm -hmm. um, for these kids, it's it's nonstop for them. They're, they have well, this constant access to social media and cell phones and I know with my dancers I've you know heard stories about it just being relentless and these kids don't stop so is that is that something that Chloe experienced then or um she was well, on the receiving end um I'll, I'll touch on a couple of points I don't think that it's really an issue of ease of access as much as it is um absence of parents and I don't mean that in a bad way mm -hmm. um, because when when I grew up um, one of my parents was either home or worked in eight to five and we had libraries and stuff like that and we could get in trouble there too you know mm -hmm. um, and so as we as people have evolved of course that te uh, technology has as well but as parents, we're forced now economically to both work and sometimes 10 to 12 hours. So our kids, as a means of security and support and kind of location, have these smartphones. Mm -hmm. And they occupy a lot of our children's time. And it's no real fault of our own. It's, it's really like a social issue. So um, I made it a point to really slow down my my life when I got home and I check my kids phones and they're 18 and 24 and I check in with them and mm -hmm. I ask them what's going on. Um, and I still work, you know, 40, 50 hours a week, but it's hard for kids nowadays sometimes 
in two parent homes that work all the time to really have a stable sense of connection. And, um, and that leads, leads them down the wormhole of the internet, which isn't a very safe place, you know? Yeah, that is a very so. valid point. So she, she wasn't necessarily bullied by, um, friends or school, uh, classmates and stuff like that. It was more of a kind of a, a relationship, uh, issue between herself and her, her boyfriend. And he was very, um, verbally and, and emotionally abusive to her as well. So that's, gotcha. um, that's, that's, that's something that our young girls today face, um, as well, but they don't talk about it because we, we see socially that, you know, sometimes it's acceptable and it's not. So. Right. Yeah, that is very true. And you made the point about just uh, parents being present. And I think that even from what I see um, in uh, the demographic that I work with, um, Mm -hmm. I teach kids of varying backgrounds. And, um, you know, some of them, like their parents are, they're having to work multiple jobs um, so mm-hmm. that they can provide for them and also provide for their extracurricular. So it's not necessarily that the parent isn't invested, but it's that they are, their time is absorbed with working. And so they may just forget to check in with their kids and see how things are going. And um, I also do feel that there's more of a, a personal disconnect for all of us too um just because we're so used to communicating via technology where I would run and say something to my mom and I think a lot of kids now they're afraid to speak sometimes and they they may feel more comfortable using um technology to communicate um so for kids if they're not being asked the questions and they may not provide the information that they need so that we can help them Right. So one of the biggest things, um, and, and I agree with your point, but um, when I speak to, to parents and people in the community and, and families and, and children in distress, I, I always emphasize one simple thing, and I ask them all just to remain teachable. Because when, mm-hmm. I, was, when I was a kid, I remember children were to be seen and not heard, speak when you're spoken to, respect your elders and do as you're told. Mm-hmm. And, and my tough day at school, you know, paled in comparison to my dad having to walk uphill both ways in the snow, barefoot to school. So, <laughs> it, right. you know, the world's a different place and, and it's a shock to us all now because it's very prevalent every single day. Um, but, I even have to remain teachable with with my kids because this is the first 24 24 year old human I've ever raised. This yes. is the only this is the first 18 year old human I've ever like raised. And I think that I deserve to take a couple minutes and just like look at it, man, and go you did pretty good, man, you know? And take pride in the decisions that you've made to 
stay connected with your kids, whether it's athletic, you know, aspirations or scholastic aspirations or aspirations in the thespian arts, whatever the case may be, remain teachable with the the interests that your kids have. And when my kids would tell me that, you know, never mind or you don't understand, I learned to allow them the opportunity to make me understand mm. in, instead of walking away from that conversation and going, you know what, you're right. Well, cool. Well, make me understand. I've got all the time in the world. If it's going to save your life, I have every moment in the world to save Absolutely. your life. Mm. So unfortunately, with the tragedy I've suffered, that's the thing that I've recognized the utmost that was lacking in my parenting abilities. Yes, I understand that. And that's not, you know, for anybody that's listening that maybe has experienced something similar or has a child that's struggling, I don't think, and Marcel, feel free to correct me, but I don't think that you are placing the blame on yourself you're just recognizing you know what you can do to shift and grow through um the challenges that come for us as parents correct i mean i'm not condemning or condoning anyone or or chastising anyone i'm simply this is a reflective statement of what i've observed um in my life and in my my personal choices and which have reflected in the the life that I that I have today um I know no one wishes to to lose anyone um and and let alone assign blame to something like that um Mm -hmm. this is just something that I've discovered in the journey of finding out why this happened to my child and it just so happens to be it just so happens to be me that I'm looking at. I'm not placing the blame or judgment on anyone else. I'm simply running a self-assessment and a reflection upon myself. And that's one of the most important things that I think we as parents and people feel like we don't have time to do. And then we go down that rabbit hole because we don't feel as though we're important or we have time or we matter, or more importantly, no one's going to listen anyway. Right. You know, who cares? Nobody cares. You know, and this is to the, the, the mother of three that, uh, that left her career to raise her children and is now not, you know, the career woman, but now she's the mom. You're just as important as you were in the corporate world, in the home, and the same as the dad who is, you know, pulling 60 hours a week and stays at home, you're just as important. You, you, you just, I'm just reflecting on me. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. And you're, you're so correct that I think just as humans, it's the most important thing that we can do is just constantly um, seek growth through our own journey and what we experience. Um, so from your loss, um, mm-hmm. 
stemmed um, the Chloe project. So can you explain to us um, like that whole idea and your mission behind that and kind of how you came to that? I'm sure it, I mean, you had to go through your, your grieving process, which is an it's a, to me, I think grieving is a lifelong process. Um, so I don't know how you feel about that, but um, let's talk about your journey into the Chloe project and how that started for you. Um, well, um, I'm, I'm really like blunt. So how it started for me is I lost my child and I, um, as a parent of a child that you lose, I feel an uncanny obligation to try and help whoever I can avoid the same tragedy because I wasn't able to save my own child. So it's a motivation that, that drives me to try to educate people. And um, I started on TikTok to make fun of my kids and now they make fun <laughs> of me. So it's weird. Um, <laughs> it's weird. Um, so, and early in, in my social media, cause I don't know how to, I can text you, but whatever I make stupid content. Um, I started making dumb videos and then I started to talk about Chloe and, um, I started to talk about my journey through, um, post-trauma grief recovery and what it looks like for um, me, a 45-year-old biracial man that suffers from um, severe social anxiety, depression, and PTSD um, on an everyday kind of basis. And um, so I started the Chloe Project to kind of unite people in mental health awareness um, and suicide prevention. Um, and I chose the name The Chloe Project because um, she's something I want to learn about and the reasons why. Um, and in doing that, I created what is called The Break Room on TikTok. And it's a live podcast or live broadcast that I do um, every morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now it varies because I'm traveling, but um, I get on and I check in with people and I let them know how my day is going. And there are people there that, you know, we discuss their abuse and their attempts, and it's a safe place for people to feel to heal and to grow. Um, so the Chloe project is, um, actually on tour or not tour, but it's a, it's a healing journey for me. Um, I recently lost, uh, my job and decided that I was going to do something to try and change the narrative that, um, and the stigma behind suicide and mental health. Mm. Um, so I made a plan to drive across the country and meet uh, the people that I've become friends with on social media, as well as people in the general public, and ask them if they'd like to 
um, write the name of someone they've lost to suicide on my truck. Uh, because I'm going to take my truck uh, from my hometown, <clears throat> which is right outside of Orange County, California, to uh, Washington, D.C. And I'm going to um, pull into the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention parking lot that is close to the Capitol building so that the names of the people that are written on my truck will be seen and not forgotten since their voices can no longer be heard. Wow. And, and that's, um, that's what I'm doing to pay uh, respect to my daughter um, to try and save uh, everyone else's daughter or son or mother or daughter or father or brother doesn't matter um, I'm trying to show people that it's okay to talk about your feelings I'm trying to show people that it's okay to do whatever it takes to save a life um, I'm doing it to to make it okay for people to communicate again because um, mental health and suicide is something that we need to talk about more prevalently. It's it's now affecting our kids. There's 11 year olds that are taking their own lives and they're mm. not even in fourth grade. Yeah. Oh man. That is that is an amazing um journey that you are on and when i when i first heard of what you were doing it was through a mutual friend of ours and um i like right away i was like i i need to meet him <laughs> um this <laughs> topic is like so um near and dear to my heart because i myself um struggled and almost lost my own life um at one point when i was in my teens late teens and then I lost um, a very good friend my senior year of high school. And then this past summer, I lost a cousin. So it's something that um, has been a part of my life and that I've experienced firsthand now for uh, 20 years. So um, when I hear other people that have a passion for this mission and for bringing awareness to um, something that is so seemingly, you know, from societal standards, taboo, right? Like, oh, let's not talk about that and let's not share what happened and these types of things. I just, I, I, my heart sings because um, I think that by having these hard conversations and opening up spaces where people feel comfortable enough to share how they're feeling and what they need, um, we can, you know, help people little by little one at a time and that is a larger impact than I think that um, most people realize and I think that in this um, in this world there's a lot of like fear around starting right like a lot of people are afraid to start they're afraid to take the jump because what if this what if that and when I heard what you were doing I was so inspired by you I'm like that is amazing and incredible and like could only think of like how many people's lives that you are going to touch just by opening up that safe space for them to share about their loved ones. But now I'm going to go back to this break room that you were talking about that you do. You do this on TikTok. Is it on TikTok each day? 
It is on TikTok, but wait, you touched on so many cool things. I want to stop and say something about what you said. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was super cool. Okay, so um, you talked about jumping into this thing with both feet and passion and stuff like that, right? So mm -hmm. for me, I look at it like this, and I just – I'm standing I, – I, I could spend my life – so everybody has tragedy in their life. Everybody has adversity in their life. You have a choice. We have choices as humans to let it control us, consume us, and defeat us, or let us let it motivate us, drive us, and move us to to change or improve or alter or evolve. So, um, mm -hmm. for me, I've chosen the latter, and so I'm not going to let it control me or consume me or depress me. I'm going to let it drive me to talk to people about it and it's weird because being such a taboo statement or a taboo occurrence um you know it's de still deemed a quitter's disease you know mm -hmm. um or the easy way out you know um and it's not that at all it's right. so much it's so much wider so I say that to say this, with every stigma dating back to the history of, of mankind and the ability to form stigmas, which is a whole nother story, um, the only way that we can dispel them is to talk about them. Yeah. And, the more, and the more we talk about them and the more prevalent the, the conversation becomes, the more normalized it is because everyone's had this, this conversation that's very shallow and, and, um, you know, surface in their living room about, you know, the other boy in the community and how, you know, little Jimmy went to the doctors today. He was, you know, he's in treatment now and, and they don't talk about it in depth and they don't get real with it because it's, um, it's frowned upon, as they say, in this establishment. So, yeah. um, so I urge people, like, look at the, the LGBTQ movement that began in the 80s and, and, mm -hmm. and, and really, really, really took hold in the 80s. And people thought that, that that community was, you know, going to, just die in flames and they are really cool people and, and they're just like your brother cousin or sister but yeah. that move that movement started with a conversation and then that conversation evolved into a movement with someone stepping forward i'm just that guy that is willing to leave my job my house my family at home to make a statement. I'm not in this for a dollar. I don't care if I make 20 cents or if I spend $2,000. I'm doing this to make a difference. And the difference I'm trying right. to make is I'm trying to let everybody in the world know that everybody in the world matters. Everyone. Every single one of us. And we're all worth that moment in time to say, hey, hi, how are you? 
we all see it. We all have our cubicle lunches. And we all know that one person that used to be so cool and so talkative and all about it. And then they slowly withdrew and then they withdrew further. And our first natural reaction is, Ugh, what's wrong with them? Right. Instead of, oh, man, what's going on over there? And then somebody being the first, the first person to go over to the table and say, hey, man, what's cracking? What's going on? What do you have for lunch? And just be there to listen. And I'll put it into perspective like this. In business, what is the most esteemed position to be in? First. Everyone wants to be first. The first, right. the first tennis shoe, the first backpack, you know, it goes back to fear. So now I'm standing on this cliff of fear and I'm looking into this ocean of change. So the distance between the bottom of my feet on this cliff and the bottom of my feet on this water is called trust and faith. I'm going to jump off that cliff of pain and fear and into that ocean of change because I trust that I'm going to be okay. We all have it inside us. It's a fear of trusting it that's keeping us where we are. Mm. That's really beautiful. You are bringing awareness not only through this journey that you're on, but also in your your daily life. You said you're hopping on and doing these lives daily to check in with people and just lend an ear and share a conversation. And for some people, that's more than they've ever had. Um, and, you know, in talking about suicide, just something that I want to bring up, and maybe you can relate to this with your experience too, but often people like look at people that take their own lives. And a lot of times the conversation goes something like, Oh, I wish I would have known, or they didn't give me any signs or things like that. And from my experience, um, oftentimes those of us that are struggling with those internal battles, we, we turn the lights on on the outside, right? So we put that porch light on where we're smiling through things and we're, we're there for everybody else. And, um, yet on the inside we're, we're crumbling and sometimes afraid to speak how we truly feel. Um, and I think what you're doing with the break room is you are opening up that kind of vulnerable space for people to just be real with who they are and what they have to say and not have to keep that porch light on, right? Like they can turn the light off and, and go into their darkness with you if they choose to do that. Um, so I just want to thank you for holding that space for people because I think that that in itself makes a difference. Well, I think, thank you for that. But I think that the break room is what I think the world needs. I know I need it. So yeah. um, when people come into the break room, um, I've had, I've, I've had, I've had people come in in distress and say they needed me like right now. And I've given them my phone number and talked them through some, some pretty gnarly life altering changes and, and choices. 
Um, and I'm not saying that to toot my horn or anything like that. I'm saying that to state the reality of of the world. And social media is a beautiful place. However, it's also um, can be pretty, pretty not you know pretty gnarly and pretty ugly. And like you said, turn the porch lights on. Um, in essence, you can be anybody you want to be on the internet. And I'm yeah. so honored. I'm so honored to have, you know, the three thousand six hundred people. I, I'm probably forgetting like sixty or something, that <laughs> that literally have come into the break room in my lives and and just hung out, you know. And it's not all the time uh, a very deep or or heavy conversation. There are nights when I'm in you know, feedy pajamas and a sports bra. We're not going to talk about that because it's a dare. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's there's been other times when I've eaten like an entire bag of chips in another onesie um, just to <laughs> show people that it's okay to do. You really, you can do whatever you please as long as it's healthy and it's not harmful to yourself or another human being. You can dispel that fear and do whatever it is you choose to do. Um, and, uh, and through the, the app, I've made some really cool friends. And um, on this journey, I'm not one of those guys that say, I'm coming to your city. I'd love to see you. I'm one of those guys that will show up at your door on a Thursday night for dinner like ready to eat because I said I was coming over for dinner. You know? <laughs> yeah. So Marcel's actually coming, guys. He's going to be there. <laughs> like, I've had I've had people that I've met on TikTok. I've literally gone to one guy was a Little League umpire. He signed the truck at the Little League baseball game. Um, wow. I've stopped on the freeway <clears throat> just inside the state line and written another um, young man's name on the truck for his dad on the hood of the truck on the interstate. Um, I spent four days in Vegas with eight people from TikTok that I've known to, to, I've got to know and love through this app. And these are eight humans from different parts of the country um, that we've, we've all affected each other's lives in, in a positive way. So it's, that's all it's about, man, is, is being, being present in the moment, being aware of your surroundings, being conscious and cognizant of those around you and considerate and, and just observant, you know, and the signs are there. We just have to slow down enough to be able to read them. Yes, you absolutely. Know, you ever tried to read a freeway sign at 85, 90 miles an hour? Sucks. <laughs> It sucks. Yeah, it's a right. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. You could do it, but you know you could read it at sixty-five too, and you could really get a chance to understand it and and figure out where your life or where your vehicle is going to go, rather than making last-minute ditch decisions to cross against three lanes because we don't know what we're doing. Right. Yeah. So we just got to slow down a little bit. You know, it's okay. Yeah. 
that's the message that I'm getting overall from you is just to slow down and connect to anyone, really, uh, not just your people. And and this is something that I kind of live by. You know, I've been in public with people and I smile and I say hello or I might strike up conversation and people have said to me, like, you're so odd. Why do you always want to talk to everybody? And then, like, you never know. Like, my thought is, like, you never know, like, who just needs that hello, who just needs that smile and now that we're masked you know the kind eyes we'll say um so right. you you never know who could use that kind gesture and that holding the door for somebody or paying for the person's coffee behind you in the line at, at um the coffee place or whatever like those little things can go a long way um and we can only really engage and participate in those smaller things if we are slowing down and being present and and um, truly paying attention to our surroundings and the people that are part of um, our journey, whether it's for a moment or um, a lifetime. So you are on this um, amazing journey um, across the country. Um, I'm sure, do you have, like, do you have, I said, I'm sure, I'm not sure of anything. Um, Do you have (laughs) a course charted or are you kind of just like figuring this out as you go? Um, so I had this course charted, but like, you know, it didn't work out. So I'm just kind of cruising. Okay. Um, it, it did kind of work out because I have some landmark cities that I want to hit. One, the next mm-hmm. one I'm going to hit is Chicago. Um, and they can, everybody can find me on TikTok. Um, and they'll know where I'm going to be. There's about 15 or 16 people I need to see. Um, in the city of Chicago and then a couple of dear friends of mine as well. But um, after that, it's, I believe, uh, Louisiana. And then uh, we're going to go up the East Coast to Boston into New York, Philadelphia, and uh, end the journey in Washington, D.C. on Cinco de Mayo. Wow. Amazing. So you, um, you're connecting with people along the way that want to physically write their loved ones' names on your truck. But you also were telling me when we connected that you give people the option to send their information to you as well, right? So that, um, and then you will write the names on your truck. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Okay. So I can't be everywhere all at once because I just can't, because I'm not like, I can't. Um, and I don't want anybody to miss out. So if you are a survivor of suicide and you would like to have your loved ones, I hate saying that, brother, sister, you know, your family member, um, their name written on my truck, let me know just the following information, their name, their full name, uh, their, date of, their, their date of birth and um, date of departure. And then um, where you're located, and um, that's it. That's all I need. Yeah. Amazing. And then what I what I do is um, I make a video showing their name on my truck. I post it onto my social media. Um, like I said, I don't do this for a dollar. I do this because I do this for to make a difference because everybody matters and. I try to treat everybody the same because my dad always used to tell me and my mom does too. 
you know, the janitor could be the CEO one day. You'll never know. Mm, yeah, and, very and, true. And, and also, my perspective is everyone you meet is someone's sibling, child, or parent. And I like to treat those people. I like to treat everyone the way I would like someone to treat that same person in my family. Yes, definitely. You know, because you never know. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Is is there anything else um, about the Chloe Project or just your mission in general that you'd like to share with my listeners? Um, uh, yeah. It's super cool to do crazy safe things, um, take chances, be awesome, live life, don't let life live you, and um, remember it's okay to say, hey, I need to talk to you really quick. And um, the most important thing that anybody can do is um, listen, live, learn, love, and grow. That's it. Mm. Beautiful. I love that. Now, I always do a um, conversation card at the end of each show, and it's just this random deck that has different topics. And today I pulled, coincidentally not, I pulled a self-expression card. Um, And my question for you is, how did you help someone today, and how did that make you feel? Ooh, how did I help somebody today, and how did it make me feel? Um, Well, it makes me feel awesome every single day um, that you that that I'm here on 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 this side of the grass, as they say in the south. Um, mm-hmm. But helping somebody today, what I did was um, I'm at I'm at a, a hotel in the Midwest, and they're resurfacing the parking lot, and I could have been that guy that didn't answer his phone and move my truck, but I um, moved my truck out of the the area they were paving, and then I went in and, and bought two cases of water for the guys outside, even if they didn't need it, um, mm. and left it on the sidewalk for them and said, here you guys go. Um, so that's, I think, it's more humanly to do that rather than something that, um, you know, for accolades socially or civically i just like right. to be a human and and notice things about people because i've i've worked in the heat and i've worked in an office so i know both stresses and um it it made me feel like i'm i believed that those guys and gals mattered and they were important to me and i was grateful for what they were doing hmm that's amazing. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Marcel, I just want to thank you for being here, coming on to Project Healing and sharing your story and your mission. And for anybody that's listening that wants to follow along on Marcel's journey, all of his information is posted in the show notes. Um, and go check him out on TikTok. And if you're interested in hanging out with him each day, then enter the break room and hang with him that way. Any uh, any final words from you, Marcel, on our way out? Yes. Uh, please go to www.reachinnow.com 
and subscribe because it's a really cool project that I did with a lady named Bianca McCall in Las Vegas. And I need everybody's help to make mental health okay to talk about. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That information is also available in the show notes. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And I'll catch you next time on Project Healing. Oh, wait. Can I say one more time? One more thing? Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Love you. I love you, Mom. Thank you for listening to Project Healing. If you'd like to connect with any of my guests, please check the show notes for their contact information. If you are loving the show, I'd be honored if you would head over to iTunes or Facebook to leave me a review. If you'd like to support the show, you can head to patreon.com backslash project healing and learn about my different patron tiers and how you can support the show and also invest in yourself and your healing process. Remember, you have to feel your pain in order to heal it.